Hello and welcome back to Talking Wolves. My name is Matthew Cooper and today I'm joined by a very special guest in Joe Edwards from the Express and Style Wolves correspondent. Joe, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, good to be here, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Cheers, pal. No, no not a problem at all. Um, it's been in the pipeline for for a little while. I've been on the um, the Express and Style podcast with Judah <laughs> now and again. So Joe's uh, kindly returned the favour. Have you been keeping, mate? Are you uh, you keeping well? All things considering, still. Still keeping busy reporting on what's been a, a drab season at Wolves. Yeah, it's um, it's been it's been a busy season, and I mean these these international breaks give you a bit of respite, but you are still scratching around for stories because you've got to fill a paper every day, and that's the thing. I mean, sometimes you might think, oh well, the international break might come at a good time, just have a bit of a break from the, you know, the Monday Monday Tuesday Wednesday kind of thing, but I mean, it's the the paper doesn't stop, and you've got to you've got to fill stories every day. And like, even I've said a few times, like in lockdown last year, when there was no football at all, it was it was crazy because you were just having to somehow get a paper out and still kind of get wall stories and you know put something out there at least. But um, you know, this season and the games have been coming pretty thick and fast. Obviously, crammed in season, so it's been busy. But appreciative of it because when there's games happening all the time, it gives you plenty to write about, you know. Yeah, and I think um, I, I think that's when I was on the last on the podcast when there's no football. Obviously, proper scraping the barrel, Chris and Stark, and getting me on. <laughs> but um, I mean, you're, you're intimidated <laughs> to me, aren't you, Joe? Like, how 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 did you first get into journalism? What made you want to want to pursue that as a career? Because I, I I did initially and just got got fed up with it. But you know, you you were corresponding at the Express and Star now. It's a very prestigious role. And how how did you first get into it? So I was always mad on football as a kid. Um, you know, similarly to yourself, really. And you know, played you know pretty much every day of the week um, if I could. You know, and when and and as kind of school went on English became more of a passion as well and writing and and the initial thing was I think like everybody in the teens I want to be a PE teacher that's what everybody thinks didn't they at first but um as it kind of went on um just kind of put the two together really put 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 the uh put the two passions together which was which was writing and, and and football and um so I um, managed to get a week of work experience when I was, I think it was 16, 15, 16 at the Express and Star on on the sports desk and kind of got to see how things work a little bit. Um, went to one or two presses. I think Kenny Jackett was the Wolves manager at the time and kind of shadowed uh, Tim Nash doing like one, one or two presses. Not really doing anything, but just seeing how it worked. Mm. Um, and then in... I did a year of A-level, um, didn't pass any of my exams because I had chicken pox uh, Mate, <laughs> when I was I like 17, so I didn't like sit any exams. And it came to that and Yeah, was yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had <laughs> chances. Do my A-levels? Yeah, so and I, so like, I, it I'm, came to the... Sorry, Matt, crack on. Yeah, there's, I, a bit, there's a bit of a delay here. That's so why Joe's looking at me a bit, a bit spaced out. But yeah, crack yeah. on, mate. Sorry, Joe. What were you saying? <laughs> No, he was, so yeah, I couldn't sit the exams and it kind of came to a crossroads and was like, what am I going to do now? And then at the time, the Express and Star were um, recruiting apprentices and there were five of us. And yeah, I, got, I was one of the five that got, got taken on. And um, from there, kind of did a bit of news, bit of sport, bit of, bit of this and that and um, managed to get a role on sport and kind of took it from there really and you know, fast forward nearly seven years later now. It's 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 yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind to be honest. So when when you first were on the sports desk, were you solely covering walls or were you covering other other Midlands clubs? Like I know you do but but like Warsaw and there's a Shropshire star with Shrewsbury. Was it purely walls or was it just kind of was it or was it even just football? It was um so so basically I I started on the sports desk in March of 2016, and I'd say the first two, almost two and a half years, were mainly doing Telford United for um, the Shropshire Star. So um, 
going up and down the country, you know, covering National League North football, which was which was brilliant actually. And you know, it's it's obviously different to what I'm doing now, but the the fundamentals are, are the same. You know, it's it's match reports, it's tweeting while you're doing the match, it's you know, speaking to managers. Obviously, you got more access, you know, at a club at that level, but speaking to managers, speaking to players and just getting a grip on how football reporting works, really. So that that was a really good experience. And, you know, a, a few of the kind of people who were at Telford kind of ended up crossing over into Wolves and that helped, you know, later on. People like Rob Edwards, who was the manager in my first kind of full season, really, um, you know, of, of football reporting. So, yeah, did Telford for about two years, then got... Um, you know, into the kind of the Wolves coverage initially helping Tim Spears. And, um, yeah, the rest kind of went from there, really. And then, obviously, Tim went to the Athletic and managed to managed to kind of carry, carry it on from there. And um, But, yeah, it's it's pretty it's what I wanted to do since a boy. So, as you say, you know, it really, really privileged to, to do this job. Yeah, and you've been, you've been covering Wolves now. This is your second season. Isn't it? I know you started with, um, with, with Rosie, who... Rosie Swarbrick, who left the Express and Star, and you basically stepped in and 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 became the the Wolves correspondent on your own. But how how does it feel? Obviously, growing up as a big Wolves fan, and you know, you did, being a journalist coming through as the apprentice, how how does it feel now at and at such a, a, a still a young age? I know you, I know you look about thirty five, but at such a young age to be the Wolves correspondent for the Express, <laughs> yeah. Star, yeah, you can that, say. <laughs> does that fill you with immense pride? Saying you are the, the correspondent, the Wolves correspondent for the Express and Star. Yeah, it, it, it does, and you know you can you can say I look thirty five or forty five. I mean, putting twenty four going on fifty, but it's um, yeah, it's 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 as I say, it's always been kind of the aim of mine to to to, to report on football and to you know report on something I'm, I'm I'm passionate about and always been passionate about Wolves and as I as I mentioned there, having played a lot when I was younger I didn't necessarily have a season ticket when, when I was growing up but you know my dad was a season ticket holder my brothers have got three brothers and all of the you know them at various times have been season ticket holders as well so kind of you now Wolves was what I was what I was born and raised upon really and um so to to be in this position now you know it's something I'll definitely don't you know take for granted and you know I do my best to kind of realize what what the club means to so many people because I know it sounds a bit cliche and whatever, but I don't think you'll find as many supporters who are, you know, sometimes for better and sometimes for worse, you know, passion, more passionate than Wolf supporters because it, it's, it's, it's their, you know, it's many people's livelihoods and exactly what they live for and why shouldn't it be? It's, um, it's a brilliant club and, um, you know, a pleasure to, re- to report on. Yeah, of, of course. And obviously as the, Correspond, Wolves correspondent. I'm sure you do see the good, the bad, and the and the ugly, ugly with with certain parts of our fan base. But like I said, you've been you've been covering Wolves now for two seasons. Um, I, I think you didn't really get off to a flyer, did you? I think it was towards the midway through last season um, when <laughs> you asked you asked Nuno. I think you asked Nuno a question. That it was at Southampton away. Wolves had just been beaten three one or three two. I can't remember. Yeah. It was a, it was a dreadful, dreadful performance. Yeah, I think you asked. Uh, I think you asked Nuno something about wingers, didn't you? Which which led to him storming out. Would you want to? Do you want to tell the listeners what what happened and how, no, how you felt when, no, when that, he did that? That was that was someone. Oh, that was someone else with the wing with the wingers one. So was it? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that was some some poor work experience, lad. And yeah, but it, the. So uh, at Southampton, they, as you say, they performed really badly, yeah. um, and they'd been really poor on the road for for quite an extended run. And I think it was something like five without a win on the road. And I said, you know, no, now look, it, it's it's five without victory away from home. Now is that a concern? And he just kind of. He just kind of stormed out and said, "Well, oh, home way, come on," and 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 whatever. And um, yeah, that that obviously got a big backlash after that, and people saying, "What what on earth are you doing?" and stuff like that. Um, the thing about that is that 
I didn't ever tweet it afterwards, but like the next press conference, like Nuno came up to me and said, you know, sorry about that and kind of shook my hand and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't feel the need to to kind of tweet it or anything at the time because I didn't feel like it was something that needed to be kind of put out there. But it was um, it was quickly smoothed over. And, and, I, and I think I think if anything, as strange as it might sound, it actually kind of helped break the ice a little bit more yeah. because I was I was still you know, quite a young reporter at the time, still kind of finding my feet. But I think he kind of, you know, kind of cemented that I'll, I'll ask a question pretty much whether it's home, away, whether it's a, a great win, a bad defeat, a drab draw. You know, I'll always be there pretty much to kind of ask a question and show me face and show an interest. And, um, yeah, I, I think, weirdly, you got to try and look at positives with, with everything, haven't you? And um, even though at the time it was a bit, you know, a bit of a tough one to take, I think actually coming out of it, you know, the, there was there was a fair bit of good as well. Yeah, because I, I, I remember when it happened and people, I, I, I mean, don't take Twitter for gospel, you know that as, as well as anyone, but <laughs> I was I was saying like, that's absolutely ridiculous that he stormed out at that and it's nothing what Joe said. It's purely he's feeling the heat, he's feeling the pressure. And then you've got other people saying, like, oh, it's a stupid question. It's, well, it's not. It's obviously, it's obviously a concern. We've not won in five on the road. It's a perfectly normal question to ask, and it's just been completely blown out of proportion because he's feeling the pressure. But like you said, if it, if it's helped you, if it's helped you kind of break the ice a little bit, and it's probably made, it's probably helped your your uh, relationship with Nuno um, a, a bit better, and, you know, you got to draw the positives. What? Obviously, we look from the outside in and we think we know what Nuno's like, but in person, and obviously you probably you not so much now in person, but you see no. him every week, probably twice a week. What what's the man actually like? Is he is he what he comes across on on the outside or quite a philosophical thinker, doesn't really say much? Or does he does he open up with with, with you a lot and other journalists? Also, over the past year, as you say, it's mainly been Zoom press conferences, you know, exclusively on Zoom. So I haven't really had that, not face-to-face, but you're in the same room. There hasn't been that kind of dealing. So that does change things a little bit. Um, But I think as many people will see, he's always been pretty guarded when he comes with the media and he's always been pretty careful and, and stuff like that. And... And that and that's 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 his that's his prerogative. But there will be times where you know there's there's never really a rule of thumb with a new now press conference. That that's the way to treat it. it you know, the, there could be one week where he's fantastic, brilliant, and you'll ask him a question where you're not really expecting much, and he'll go on a three four minute explanation, deep explanation why he's done this, why he's done that, and you think, wow, that's brilliant. The next week, you'll ask a very similar question and you'll get a one-word answer or maybe a sentence at best. You know, it's there's never really a rule of thumb with him. I think the more philosophical stuff and the more, um, you know, the wider issues, I mean, whenever you ask him about COVID and the impacts it's had and the general impacts it's had on the sport, and he'll speak very passionately about that and stuff like, when he, um, you know, when he started this um, feed our pack campaign, you ask him anything about that, and he's he's straight off. But other things he doesn't want to go into, and it's it's just knowing it's just knowing that it's just knowing how to kind of deal with it, and just kind of assessing the situation. And you know, other journalists might be a bit different, but I, I never really. I do go into press conferences having an idea of what I want to ask him. Of course, if there's press, pressing issues at hand, you know, that need asking, then of course I will. But if it's if it's a quieter week, then you just kind of go into it with a little bit of an open mind because, you know, he can he could go, go off on a particular subject and really be passionate about it, or he could completely shut it down. It's just it's just a look at a draw, really. Yeah. How many how many times do you reckon you've written solutions this, this season in um in your, in your, uh, <laughs> your articles. It has been a buzzword. It has been a buzzword. But strangely, it's been something he said for quite a long time. But I think it's just because results haven't been yeah. as good this season, I think it's got highlighted a bit more. But if you play Nuno, Nuno Bingo, buzzword, 
you know, one of the buzzwords would have been solutions like two or three years ago as well. He, he you know, it, it's he's got every manager, I guess, has their quirks and their sayings and you know, things that they, they like to say. And solutions has been, you know, option, he's an option, he's a solution. Um, you know, it's been something that he said for a while, but I just think it's been kind of highlighted a bit more because obviously the results haven't been as good this year. Yeah, because I think I think as fans, and you know, I've been critical of him as well this season, probably more more than others. When when things aren't going right, you want you don't really care what he could he could tell you his shopping list when you're winning games, and no one's really bothered. But, <laughs> yeah. but when 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 you, things aren't going your way and you're not getting results, you want an explanation. Fans want to know why it's not why it's not working. And when you served up the same answer every single week, I think that's why it's probably been highlighted a bit. A bit more this season, and, and, and rightly so. Fans get frustrated because you know we want we want answers. Why why aren't we playing as well as we were last season or the season before? We've got near enough the same squad, but yeah, it must be must be frustrating for you to keep 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 writing solutions and and having headlines of <laughs> talk about solutions because then it's obviously your fault. Uh, if you if you look at Twitter, it's obviously Joe Edwards' fault that Nuno said solutions. But is it is is it difficult um, re- re- reporting? On walls, when especially now under Fosun, where the, the club very rarely ever give anything away. I mean, even compared to the, the championship season, I, I remember when we'd, we'd lost to Villa and Jeff Shee come out the next day and, and did a, 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 a well a press release, one interview saying nothing to worry about, we're on track. Whereas now the communication for the club is next to nothing. Is that something that is is quite difficult when when constructing an article or it, when the club doesn't give anything away. Does it make you have to work a little bit harder to try and unearth some gems? No, that's a good question, and you have to you have to find ways of kind of adapting, I guess. And yeah, you make a good point. So you know, the, there's obviously been a lot of changes at Wolves, and there's not um, you know a, a figurehead really, a spokesperson of sorts. I think in years gone by, you know. Jez Moxie would have spoken quite a lot to the Express and Star, or you know, even even a you know a Steve Morgan would have been then happy for Jez to have that kind of point of contact or, or something like that. And you know, they'll even be you know going back even further back than that, where they'd be kind of a you know on the other end of the phone, whatever you need. It, it, it's just it, it's um it's a it's a changing changing game football, and I think Wolves. While it can be frustrating, and I think you know there is a scope to to communicate more. I wrote as much a, a few months back, but it's just kind of in keeping with the rest of the Premier League now, and, and that that's kind of the way it goes. You know, I mean, at Tottenham, when do you really hear from Daniel Levy? You know, at Man United, when do you really hear from Ed Woodward? It's you know, it's it, it you know, Wolves are kind of of that ambition as well, and you know. While we would like to hear from them more, I'd certainly like to hear from them more. You know, in, in terms yeah. of, you know, have the have the opportunity to interview Jeff. That would be brilliant. But you know, I'd, it's not as if, you know, sometimes it's oh, why don't you ask the tough questions? Well, I'd like to like to interview Jeff or you know whoever else. You know, but it's um it, it's it's the way the club operates, and it's it's the way that you know really a lot of clubs operate in in twenty twenty one now. Yeah, and that you, you make a good point there, and it's and it, and, it, and it's something that I see not only people are crit- critical of you, but the likes of Judah and, and Tim Spears, formerly of the Express and Star, now at the Athletic, and I, I do see a lot of questions, and I, I know you ask the questions, and I know what answer answer you're going to give, but what does it frustrate you when you see Joe? Why aren't you putting the questions to Nuno? Why aren't you asking this question? Why aren't you asking the difficult questions when? Nuno is pretty much the. It'd be a great politician because he says a little about a lot with me. So, does it frustrate you when you see people saying you're not asking the right questions, or you're not putting it to? No, no I just, it's you know I can understand it because yeah, especially when results aren't going your way, you want answers and you want to know why. And when it's not coming, then you know you, you kind of kind of want to see cancers. Um, but, you know, so, sometimes I can be as frustrated as, as anybody else can be, you know. You, you, it, it's being a fan as well, and you, sometimes you have to kind of turn that off, really, a little bit. You know, you've got to try and be as as objective and, you know, as impartial as you can be at some times, you know. But, say, for example, when, when we lost to Albion early on in the season, you know, you... you 
you you feel rough after the game, you know, and you and you you feel, you know, deflated after the performance, and you know, almost a little bit upset and a bit a bit angry. But you have to kind of switch that off, you know, as a reporter as best as you can. But you know, being a fan, I do understand that as well. And you know, I know sometimes it, it can be a bit oh, what what. It's not my fault, but I, I understand that you know it's it that people will ask those questions and um, but now as you know I always try and do the best to to yeah. get the answers as as I can you know. Do you, do you have to tread quite carefully as well because wolves are a different beast nowadays, aren't they? Whereas before, I think maybe if you kept putting tough questions or putting your your neck on the line, it would have been all right. But do you have do you have to tread fairly carefully just in case you? not ruin the relationship with the publication, but just in case, I don't know, that Wolves could turn around and be like, we're not having any more expressive style reporters coming in here because they, they ask they ask ridiculous questions. Is that something that, like, is it is in the back of your mind or do you just, just get on with it? Oh, I don't think that would, that would come into the equation with Wolves because they, they are a good bunch and, you know, the, you know, the, the media guys there are good to deal with and, you know, they're, that they are as as helpful as you know they they, they can be really. You, but you've seen it before, haven't you? You know, reporters of other clubs being banned just yeah. for just for asking difficult questions. And you now some clubs are really tetchy and really kind of protective. And while Wolves aren't, you know, of course, giving out a, a great deal of information. If, for example, you know, Jeff's not doing a lot a lot of stuff these days. They. They understand that you know we're we're a daily paper and that you know we our main kind of place is Wolverhampton and, and kind of and Wolves news really. So you know there's an understand understanding there and you know I like to think there's a you know there's a good relationship between the between the paper and the club and but I think they realise sometimes that you you know you've got to be critical. You can't just sugarcoat things. I've I've done some pieces earlier on in the season which were which are pretty critical. You know at the at the turn of the year and. And and they had to be because yeah there was no there's no other way of going about it but um, you know when when it when it's good say it's good when it's bad say it's bad and and that's 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 what I that's what I try and try and do and just try and be honest yeah of course and just to, just to give the listeners and or viewers a, a bit of an insight into how how a journalist works say if you catch wind of a particular rumor transfer rumor stadium developments whatnot. What what do you then do? Is it as simple as phoning the club up and saying, I've heard this, is it true? Or is it a bit more long-winded than that? I know they rarely give anything away, but what what's uh, without obviously going to complete ins and outs, what's your what's the process as a journalist to fact-check that? Yeah, so, like, obviously, if you go on News Now or whatever, you know, Wolves are signing every player under the sun, aren't they? <laughs> I'm talking Wolves for that, mate, not... <laughs> <laughs> But but you know you could so there is an element of just knowing what to kind of check and knowing you know what probably is worth ignoring you know and um, then just going through the channels you know sources I speak to and just trying to check things out I'd, I'll never write anything unless I'm you know well informed about it you know what I mean and some people might say oh well you didn't catch wind of this transfer room or whatever or you weren't first to this or I'd rather be right than first uh, that, that's that's the you know that's the kind of rule of thumb really and you know what while it'd be lovely to to break transfer stories or you know get exclusives you know, every week or whatever, you know, that would be fantastic. But it's just, you know, the the so, you know, Wolves aren't just, you know, a club that deals um, in this country anymore. They're a global entity, you know, and, you know, if they're signing a player from Portugal, people in Portugal might not know about it from, I don't know, from the player's end. But here it's all quiet, you know. It's, 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 it's you know, it's a big operation these days. And um, but yeah, that that's the kind of you know while I'd like to be first and whatever, it, just making sure that what I'm right is 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 right, you know, and, and not you know not I won't do anything unless unless I know it's solid, you know. 
Yeah, and I think obviously with the stuff that Talking Wolves was mostly Dave looks after the socials. We we just report on everything that's out there, and we always say, "Just not saying it's true," but you'd think that every time we put it out that we've said it's true, and it's definitely happening. But I don't know, I don't know if you saw the, um, the the rumors the past couple of days that Cristiano Ronaldo has been earmarked for a, <laughs> for a move to um, to Wolverhampton Wonders. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Have you have you heard anything? <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I haven't. No. Um... Some are suggesting Aguero as well, or or somebody else. You know, no, it's um, no, I'd be absolutely flabbergasted. No, it's um, yeah, nothing happening there, mate. How, how much do you reckon Cristiano Ronaldo would want Payne to live in Tetnell a week? Oh, well, he's probably on more five hundred grand a week at, at least. That, right? Yeah, he's, he's probably, probably on about towards a million, eh? He'd probably yeah, on about a million quid a week. <laughs> I know if, if yeah. Matino goes in the season, probably going to free up a bit of wages, but I don't think uh, I don't think are going to make make, make that much room. Um, so, having a look at this season compared to last season, Joe. Last season we were all going to stadiums for large parts of the games. Obviously, you still are, but fans were there. We were going abroad. We were going to Braga, Barcelona. How different and how different has it been this season reporting on games compared to last season? Do you still get that buzz? From being there, and obviously you're, you're one of the lucky ones who gets to go. But how, how different has it been? It's been very different, and it, you know, it it, it still feels a bit weird. And I, I I can't wait until fans are back. To be honest, and you know, you do you do kind of you, you do still enjoy the matches, of course. But there has been a few games, particularly when Wolves were. You know, a bit earlier on in the season where they weren't picking up up results, but weren't playing well either. You know, the the performances were pretty boring, and the results weren't following either. You have had to kind of make a bit of a conscious effort, really, to kind of lift yourself. And you know, we've seen it so often, haven't we, at Molyneux, where the fans have have played their part. And so now every team's yeah. had the had the had the same had the same thing this season. But I think. Wolves have been impacted more so than others because you look at, like, say, the Manchester City results last season when they were 2 0 down and 1 3 2. You know, not to say that wouldn't have happened without fans, but I think the fans, you know, definitely played their part. And, you know, the, the Man United game in the Cup a couple of years back, I think you can look at some teams in the Premier League this season, say, West Ham. You know, they've been they've been brilliant, but you know they've been playing in quite a tense atmosphere at the London Stadium for a few seasons. Would have they had the same season with fans? You know, so I think Wolves have been impacted, and from a journalistic point of view, you know, it, it does it does make it weird. It's got its slight quirks that you can get a parking space at the ground. <laughs> that, that, that's what. That's that's one every cloud, and you hear basically a running commentary of the game from Connor Cody, which is which is always fun. But um, ultimately, yeah, fan, fans can't be back at Molyneux soon enough because I know again it sounds cliche, but it, it just isn't the same. You know, there is nothing else that can replicate you know a full Molyneux and the and the noise that it makes. Apart from Cody, you who else is like fairly vocal on the pitch and boxer orders? Because I'm telling you all week and here, all week and here is Cody. It's Cody and Ruddy. It's pretty much them too. And whether Ruddy's on the bench or whether he's in goal or whatever, he's like he's the voice of the bench, really. Nuno's like not one of these managers where he'll be barking out instructions from the touchline. If he's particularly aggrieved at a, a decision, then he'll then he'll kind of be up in arms and he'll say whatever. If he if he feels like a you know somebody needs to be somewhere or needs to do something better, then he'll get that across. But he's not one of these like like that Ray Lewington, yeah, yeah, like Ray Lewington at, at Crystal Palace, um, the assistant to Hodgson. He just don't stop all game. Like Steve Bruce, like goes on all game. But like Nuno, he's one that will just be he'll kind of watch and keep a close eye on things and then just speak when he feels he needs to speak. He's not one of these that he's constantly barking out orders. That's that's Cody and and then from the bench, Ruddy. Yeah. What? I, I, who, who's like, you, you, you're not your favourite, but, you, okay, go the favourite player you, you've interviewed over the past few years and who surprised you in terms of their character? 
Five reply, good question. Um, Matt Dowens, he was always a good player to interview. And yeah. Obviously, he's not he's not at the club now, but he he's one of these that you know. Obviously, he won't just say anything, but you get the feeling he's just talking to you like quite openly and quite honestly, and he's not like kind of thinking about what he says too much and like speaking with a fair amount of passion. Um, Cody has always been brilliant. Um, but there, there was a time really when it was just exclusively Cody because mm. it was how it used to work pre COVID was that the manager would do his bit in, in the press conference room at Molyneux and then you'd go into the mix zone in the tunnel and they, you know, you'd got, wait for a player to come through the mix zone. It's basically you stand in the corridor which they have to pass through on their way at the ground. So you kind of say, have you got a mini? So have you got this or you got that? And quite often, Cody would be the only one who'd stop, you know, and and, and, take, and take three or four minutes and stuff like that or whatever it is. And the, some of the others, you know, weren't confident enough with their English or whatever or just didn't want to do it or, you know. But, yeah, it's... Um, Cody's always been fantastic. He's always, always gracious with his time. And, um, yeah, I, Neves, he always talks very well as well. He, you know, you can see he's like a yeah, a leader and yeah. speaks very well, mature beyond his years. Um, but in terms of, like, having a bit of a bit of a laugh as well and trying to get to know the man behind the player, I think one of the best, really, has been, has been Doherty. What, what was, uh, I know you've interviewed Kilman, haven't you, in the last year or so? Um, Who's that? Sorry, Max Kilman. Did you? Interview yeah, Kilman? yeah, no. yeah. What What was he like? Because every time we, well, like, I ever see anything that's not football related, it seems very like quiet and I don't know, quite a reserved character. Did you find that, or did he open open up a little bit to you? No, he, he seems to have got like more comfortable with it over time. I think I in- yeah. interviewed him when he kind of first come into the team, and he was quite shy and quite reserved. And, you know, I think quite wary of what he was saying, as any young player that tends to come into the team is. But then I think it was that last lockdown when there was no football, he was one of the players I was able to interview. And you could tell he kind of come out of his shell a bit. You know, I still don't think he's like one of these guys that is, you know, kind of the loudest loudest person in the dressing room or whatever like that, as the uh, ice cream van goes off. (laughs) I thought that was annoying. Yeah. Normally means to run out of ice cream. That's yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get one. I'll be back in a bit. Um, but no, he seems to have come out of his shell a bit more. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, who was decent actually. Um, the last person I got to interview in person, um, Fabio Silva, really good. Um, seems very mature for his age. His when, English is probably better than ours. Oh, it's better than mine. Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, we we did um, went down to Doncaster. Um, when he played there in the in the trophy, with the idea to have a look at him, and then obviously he scored both goals and they won, and that was like a you know a reporter's dream really. The story that I was hoping to write came to pass, and and then we got I think about best part of 10, 15 minutes with him afterwards, and he was he was brilliant and really kind of measured, but but kind of let you in as well, and just kind of spoke openly and honestly, and um, yeah, so it'd be nice to interview him again actually because obviously it's been a been a bit of a challenging season for him with highs and lows, but if you could speak to him again soon, that would yeah. be that would be nice. Have you ever done anything with Saez? Bits and bobs, yeah. He's, he's um, the right character, doesn't he? From what yeah. Wolves released of him, is is that <laughs> you get that from him as well? Yeah, it, he's. I think there's a few jokers in the dressing room. He's certainly one, and then from everything you kind of told, like Matinho, he's a big joker as well. You know, he's not doing he doesn't do much now. Um, he's done one or two bits. I don't think I've actually ever spoken to him. Um, one-on-one at least. Um, yeah, it, but he, he's he's one of the one of the jokers, but Sace definitely. He, he, he's always good value actually as well, Sace. He, yeah. um, he, he's Neto, just a bubbly character, yeah. Neto seems to be a bit of a joker as well from, from whatever... I've seen. Have you uh, have you ever have you ever spoke to Neto? Whether that's yeah. been like in the mix zone or like a one on one? 
Yeah, mix on, I think. And I think even it's him and Matinho, basically, who, who bounce off each other. And I think a lot of the dressing room jokes are, you know, kind of them too. So um, they're, they're a good bunch, though, honestly. Like, generally, you know, they're, they're, they're a good bunch. I mean, there was a, there was a few which you, you didn't really hear from a lot. I mean, there was a bit before my time, but like Costa and Cav and, and them lot, they never really spoke, spoke to the press at all. They're too busy um, to slug and let us, mate. <laughs> um, I, I've never really done anything with Johnny. I mean, he does speak bits of English, but I, I don't know if he if he does it well enough to feel confident with it or whether he's just that's not really in his nature. Bolly, yeah. obviously, obviously, notoriously never did anything. And then he's done one or two. He's done one or two bits this season, but mainly just with a club. Um, yeah. And then... Yeah, but most of them are, are happy to talk, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of at the minute, though, with that now mix zone or obviously not having numbers for players or whatever, you're just kind of a little bit at the mercy as to what the what, what the club give you and who they put up for interview that week, you know. Yeah, I, I, I remember speaking to Adam at the end of season dinner awards and it was like catching up with a mate. I don't know, I don't know yeah. if you have spoken to him, but it was just genuinely, him and Cody were, but, you know, I, I could have come away from that thinking I'd, I'd love to go for a beer with MP. Does it, have, have you ever had anything with Adama in terms of mix zone or one-to-one? Because one? I, I, I found him really good value. Yeah, it's there you mentioned it. It's, it's kind of all, you know, yeah. but yeah, he we did did a big thing with him. At, went down to training ground, I think it was the year, last year, might have been the year before actually, but about... It was half hour of me and another another journalist, um, Tom Colomos from the Daily Mail, and we kind of split it between us. But he was he was really good as well. Yeah, it's it's just a shame that because of COVID and everything, those kind of interviews and that ability to kind of I don't know bounce off each other a li- little bit more. It's just kind of gone, really. I mean, you know, it, it's. It, it is a shame, but hopefully, you know, back end of this year, you know, into next, maybe that can happen a bit more. Hopefully, mate. Just, uh, just, just one more question before we we move on to people's questions because we had a loads of we had loads of questions coming in when we said we were doing the interview. Um, been a disappointing season. Um, obviously, losing Raúl was was of course kind of curtail things a little bit, but. For the rest of the season now, what, what where do you see Wolves finishing? What what if you're if you're Nuno, what do you do? Do you do you go to a four at the back? Do you experiment? Do you play Jose? Do you play Silva? What if you're Nuno right now? What do you do for the rest of the season? And where do you see Wolves finishing? Um, so first of all, finishing probably tenth, probably around that play. I think nine, four, eighth is probably a bit a little bit too far, just because they haven't scored enough goals. And, you know, I can see him grinding out results, but, you know, I don't see him, especially if he comes down to goal difference, you know, then I don't think it's, you know, I think about 10th. And then in terms of the team, I'd imagine it will still be 3-4-3 three, three for the rest of the season. I kind of said said something similar on our, on our podcast, the ENS Wolves podcast, that... Go on, mate, I'm give not, it a if you want. I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not I'm not so sure... The the four three three, for example, is this holy grail. Like I do get what it you know it gives, and obviously it gives you an extra man in midfield. But for me, if it was if you're talking about going to a back four to play a four four two, then that'd excite me personally a bit more. You know, because if you were to say, you know, Adama be at the club still beyond the summer, you know, Neto still around. You get a, a fit him in his back, and then the prospect of a striker playing alongside him, then that would be thinking, well, okay, we've got two proper wingers here and two proper strikers, and that could be, you know, a real kind of exciting system. When it's four three three or three four three, personally for me, I, I don't think there's a massive difference. I just think three four three is probably going to be the way for the next of the se- for the rest of the season at least. I'd like to see Vitinha have a bit more game time in that time. Um, watched him the other night for the Portugal under-21s and thought he was brilliant. Um, admittedly, he's not really done a lot in the minutes that he's played at Wolves, but 
I think they've got to just give him a little bit more time in these final games just to make a more informed decision in the summer as to whether he's worth keeping. Um, and then silver as well. I, you know, the, it's the, the silver and Jose debate could go on for days and we could be here all night. But <laughs> the, the, thing for me with, the thing for me with silver at the minute is that he's getting into the positions and, you know... He's yes, he's missing. He's missing those chances, and he's coming off his shoulder or rolling off his shin. But he looks a lot more likely to score than Jose does at the minute for whatever reason. So, you know, ultimately, Silver is Wolves' player that they've ploughed a lot of money into, and you know, ultimately, he's going to be here for years to come. Really, so I'd be leaning towards, you know preferring silver over over Jose, obviously not freezing Jose out, but you know, if you've got to pick one or the other to start most of the games for the rest of the season, I'd, I'd pick silver because the only way he's going to get better is by playing, you know, games of yeah. football in the Premier League. I, I agree, mate. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much in the camp of Fabio Silva. <laughs> I know he's missed a few sitters, but his, his movement for, for a young lad and with a bit more experience, I think he could be a real asset. I'm just going to move on to some questions that we've had, Joe. Yeah, um, cool. So there's some about your career. There's some about um, your favourite Wolves memory. But we'll start with a question from uh, at Wondering About Wolves. Will Nuno sign players this summer to fit into a 4-4-2 system and once again try and evolve? Or will Nuno sign players to fit within the 3-5-2, 3-4-3 system? Good question. Um, question. Yeah, it is a good question. Um, Well, all the players over the past few years have been signed with a three three at the back in mind. That's why I think a four at the back this season, when it has been done, has looked disjointed because, you know, I know Johnny was technically a right back when he came to the club, but, but, you know, he's played a left wing back for all of his time at Wolves and, just they knew that system like like the back of their hand, yeah. and when he when it just got changed, and when you know players hadn't really been signed for that system. I mean, you know, especially Connor Cody in the back four, and Romain Sace in the back four, and even Willie Bolly in the back four. You know, they, they'd not they'd not done it at all. So, you know, whatever they do in the summer, they've just got to. I think they've got to just kind of have one idea and kind of stick to it, but kind of at the same time have, have the other one up their sleeve if that makes sense so I, I, yeah. I don't think you know if you're going to go to the four don't ditch the three completely but if you go to the three you know don't ditch the four completely you know different games might open and lend lend itself to it but I'm not so sure whether you know the, the improvement that Wolves want to make moving forward I don't know if we, whether the four is this holy grail because I know he gets, you know, questioned sometimes and and stuff like that. But talking about Conor Cody and how much of a leader he is and how much he's vocal and, you know, I, I wouldn't be quick to to take him out of that Wolves team. You know, while there might be a, a centre-half that he's quicker, he's stronger, you know, he's more of a typical centre-half that's out there. You know, if you take... Cody out that team, it does, you know, change the dynamic a lot. So, you know, that that's something for for Wolves to think about in the summer. You know, of course they they've got to they've got to learn from the mistakes of last summer and and get players that are ready to make an impact and and improve the team straight yeah. away. Really, but I don't think they've got to, you know, do anything too drastic. It's just about strengthening what they've got. Yeah, it's about finding solutions, Joe. Um, I have another question, which um, which echo, echoes what we've just talked about. If if we do go to a back four next season, do you think Cody drops out of that back four? Well, that's yeah, that's that's like the million pound question, isn't it? Because I mean, if they say they don't sign a centre half, which I'm not saying they should, they should. That I think they definitely need a centre half. Yeah. I think that's. Of all the positions, actually, I've said for a few months they need a centre-back, a centre-mid and a striker. But I think if you are to pick one that they need the most, it probably is centre-half, just because they haven't signed one for three years now. Um, But, yeah, if you are picking 
of the current lot, I think I'd still go Cody and Bolly as, as, the, mm. as the defensive two. Um, well, the centre half pairing. But if they are to strengthen in the summer, then then they've got a decision to make it if they're going to stay stay with a stay with well go to a four. But for me, just because of how instrumental Cody has been, at least in the short term, I'd be leaning towards staying with the three, bedding in a new centre half that way as the, you know, on the right side or on the left side, for example, you know, Cody, Bolly and someone else. Yeah. And then, you know, because, I mean, Willie Bolly, you know, he's he's 30 now. Or, you know, he's not going to last forever, but he's still a top quality centre-half. But if they're going to sign a younger centre-half who they see a lot of potential in and the years of longevity in, I think maybe filter him in as part of a three, to then groom them, if you like, to be part of a part of a four, if that's a long term plan. Yeah. Um, question from Xavier C zero three. What are your thoughts on the Truore situation? Can you see him being sold at the end of the season? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. It's it, it's just in terms of a dharma, he he needs to be it needs to be it needs to be scoring more goals. Really, it needs to be setting yeah. up more goals. It's um. Of course, it's not all his fault. You know, he's not had a Jimenez to work with or, you know, and he has suffered as a result. But I think a player of his speed and of his ability and the positions he gets in on the pitch should be scoring more goals. Yeah, They've got, you know, they've got to, you know, look at it in the summer and and see what it's about. I mean, Nuno, you ask him about Adama and he's so complimentary um, and, you know, about how... He's a special player. He's a unique talent, unique player in the world. Um, but there's got to be a time, I guess, where where that potential is realised. And you know, he's, he's 24 now, and he's not quite in that, you know, stereotypical peak. But he's approaching it, and you know, there is an element of realising that potential. You know, yeah. you don't for a player. Of, it'd be a shame because a, a player of his, you know, outstanding physical traits, you know. Could really be a world beater. We you see him glide past players, but the, the you know the end product has, has taken a, a bit, a, bit a, step, a step back this season. You know after taking several steps forward last, so yeah. it's um, it's a difficult one. I mean, I'd like I'd like to see him stay at the club beyond the summer. You know, I'd like to see Wolves keep hold of all of their best players and and um, and, and and build on from there. But I've said it on our podcast a couple of times. If there was one. That they had to sell, um, it, I'd, I'd imagine it would probably be Traore. You know that, yeah, because you, you've got you've probably got three big, big assets, haven't you? At Wolves, you've got Neves, Neto, and Traore. There, you're free, and you'd imagine just looking. I know it's not just just based on statistics, yeah. but you look at the team and the dynamic of it. I think if you were to lose one, I'm not saying I'd want to lose them at all, but if you were to lose one, it would probably be Traore. How much do you think you'd go for in the summer? It's a difficult question. I mean, we were talking bloody 70, 80 million, weren't we, last year? And the rest, um, I was saying, 100, I, I love him, I think he's unbelievable, but I was saying, like, you can't put a price on him because he's that effective, whereas this season, I'm seeing people saying, let him go for 20 million. Yeah, well, not 20 million. That, that'd be, I mean, they paid 18 for him, so yeah. they'd at least want to double their money. Um, I'd imagine in the current climate, you'd be edging towards 50, but... You know whether that would be good money. I, I don't know. I mean, Jota went for forty-five, didn't he, last summer? But yeah, yeah I think you know it's it's just whether cl- clubs can pay fifty million. You know what I mean? In, in this COVID era, it, yeah. it, it might be a position where you know nobody can really pay that money. But well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. What uh, one rumor that keeps coming up and quite a, quite a few reliable sources keep reporting on it is the. Is the potential signing of Lucas Acampos from Sevilla? Obviously, tour Wolves a new one in the Europa League quarter final. Is that something you could get behind? Would you like to see him in a Wolves shirt, Acampos, if it meant a place in Adama? Yeah, I do like him. I did like him in that game. Um, I have seen bits of him as well yeah. for for Sevilla, and do do think he's do think he's definitely a talent. Um, I don't. I'm not not. Sure on whether he 
you know, whether he be the man really. Um, it's just because the type of me that you're talking. I mean, what what's this quoted figures that have been about 60 million or something like that? I mean, you know, you'll have to... He'd be up in yeah, wages, mean, but then know. he'd also he's, he's he'd probably be swapping Champions League football for 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 nothing. But I suppose that's the law of playing in the Premier League, isn't it? It might get a move yeah. to Man United season. It, it, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Sure. I haven't probably haven't seen enough of him to to know. I've seen mm. I've seen him about five six games, but you know he's obviously a very good player, and there's a reason why he's being linked to to all these clubs, but. You know, I'd imagine he'd have a fair few suitors, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, question from uh, Gladon Balti King. It's great, <laughs> great, um, great question. How, how do you how do you cope with the abuse and all the the, the the tirade and nonsense you get from Wolves fans? Is it is it just a case of just turning your phone off, or is it tough? Um, no, you know, there's there is times where there is more abuse than others, and you have to be a bit wary of it. I mean, what was that one early on this season? I hope you you lose both your hands in a car accident or something. For, Fair enough. <laughs> for, for well, I mean, the, the tweet at the time, it, with the benefit of hindsight, wasn't the best tweet. Uh, it was after they'd lost at Palace, and Patricio was questionable for the goal. I said, "Now is it worth it?" Yeah, which like. <laughs> Which I agree. Oh, yeah, no, I agreed because he'd been he was poor at the time. Yeah, the the point I was making was I probably should have worded it better, but Wolves were on a poor run, and now now players' play should have been guaranteed. Really, you know, even though Patricia has been the out and out number one. But um, I think we've tweeted. I think you know a fair few listening to this, and you know, it's um, it can be. It can almost become a bit of a, an obsession at times, especially especially in this lockdown kind of scenario where you don't get out of the house, you don't do much, you just find yourself scrolling through Twitter, and especially if you've been bloody, you know, you know, there's been a bad result and people are yeah. directing it your way. So yeah, not, not all notifications are turned on. There's been a, there's been a few mutes, a few blocks. Um, you know, a few unblocked as well. I did kind of go through, you know, I just kind of, you know, unblock and unmute. But, you know, if somebody's just going out their way to... Um, but I tend to go for the mute because it doesn't give the satisfaction of a block. Being a block you know, yeah. sometimes I think the block, it's like, oh, yeah, I've been blocked. Yeah. But you know, the, the mute button comes in handy sometimes. <laughs> You know, when you're filling out your annual leave form at work, do you get a little bit tetchy? Because every time you seem to book annual leave, you get people having a go at you for going on holiday. <laughs> that was that was crazy. It, it was like, it, I think somebody commented, which kind of summed it up a little bit, was like, oh, you get, he, this guy gets slated if he writes something and then gets slated for not writing for a week. <laughs> it was like, yeah. You can't please all the people but, all the time. Um, <laughs> No, no, and that's it, isn't it? And that's it. It's like you know, I've, football. Football's a game of opinions, and I don't want everyone to agree with me. That that'd just be that'd just be boring because the whole debate of football is what makes football what it is. You know, and you know, we don't, don't, having a having a point down the pub and you know discussing football and oh, I don't agree with you there. But it, I, I'm all for that. It's just when it you know, starts to kind of get into abuse. And if even if somebody's got a different opinion, that means that they're an idiot or, you know, well, that's putting it kindly, but people just swearing at people for, for having a different point of view, you know. Football is, is a game of opinions. And, every, you know, if you if you want to have a debate about something, fantastic, but not just abuse for, for holding a different point of view. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it, mate? Just got a couple more questions before we wrap up. Uh, we've got one off Ad Sidaway. What what were your thoughts on trying a new system halfway halfway through the season without a real preseason? It's a, yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, talking about talking about time off, I, I was off for that Southampton game, and I remember watching it on the telly and thinking, "What is going on here?" You know, for a, a four at the back. You know, had you asked me the week before that, I would have said no way because everything has been built on a three at the back, and Nuno has been so, you know, adamant about formation, about system, about personnel, and things like that. So it was a shock. Um, 
And I think, you know, it was only, you know, as a consequence, really. It, it didn't necessarily really click because I think Cody had said as much in, after a couple of games that they knew the three, they trained in the three. It, it, everything that they'd done for, you know, three years, three plus years was, was geared around that system. Yes, they'd played with a two up front or a three up front and there were tweaks of that system, but, the, the core of it was the same. So to to kind of um, add, add in a completely new one, you know, I, I think naturally had its teething problems. And, you know, while Wolves did score a few more goals playing in that system, I mean, they conceded a bucket load. And um, now since going back to the three, yeah, the performances have still been a little bit indifferent and not, not fantastic. And, you know, full 90-minute performances have been a bit hard to come by. But I do think they have looked better. It's just what they've just got a decision to make in the summer. If they, if they feel that's the way and that's the key moving forward, then you now, as as one of the earlier questions alluded to, they've got to sign players with that system in mind. Wicked. One last question, mate, before um, I let you get off, and I have you too. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping you might be able to shed a little bit of light on it. Have, uh, have you got any insights on a return date for Raul Jimenez? Whether is I think what people are asking is, is he going to play against the Albion on first of May? <laughs> I hope so. I'd love it. Um, um, now the you know what's what's been reported is pretty much out, out of the cases, and you know it's very it's very kind of day by day, and I know how, how boring and cliche that may sound, but that's kind of how Wolves operate. You know, they, they don't look, you know, hugely forward, Nuno in his bubble. You know, they're, they're kind of just focused on on the day by day. I mean, he did go away with Mexico and that was very successful. I mean, you know, they wanted to get that sorted for him to go away with Mexico, see his pals, link up with them for the week, carry on training. And 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 that and that that's been successful. As far as I'm aware at the minute, I don't think he's been heading balls just yet. I mean, I last Nuno about it again on Friday. Um, so we'll see what the latest is then. But, um, you know, I've, I think by what, they, what they've been saying, you know, again this season, um, and ultimately I think that would benefit everyone if he does, because not only for him, because it will give him an idea of where he's at and where he needs to be for next season, what's still, you know, right with his game and what needs working on. It gives Wolves an inclination as as to what they need to do in, in you know, in, in, in the market and things like that. You know, how many strikers they need to support him, etc. Or yeah. and, and and it gives Mexico an idea as well, because I think, you know, they'll want to take him to the Olympics, wouldn't they? That, that that's another thing to factor in. But yeah. honestly, you know, being there at the time when it happened, the injury, it was it was sickening and you know felt felt sick when it happened. The, I mean, you probably heard it on the telly, but the food and the crack old crunch, when, yeah. when it happened was was horrible. And you know, the speed of it live, it was it was you know, it was it was it was crazy to be honest. But um, you know, the 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 rate of recovery that he's had has, has been brilliant. Um, you know, when when you when you speak to people at Compton, everybody says about how um, you know positive that he's been through it all, and how you know how his mood has not been you now bad throughout, and he you know he's always kept a pos- positive spirit. So you know there's there's no there's no question of that. I think once once he gets to go ahead, you know he's 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 going to be all over it. He's going to be happy to play. But um, honestly, you know it's just, they're just taking it day by day, and they've got to be extra careful with these head injuries. And um, you know that, that's that's how they'll continue to be really. Definitely, mate. Well, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure for coming on. Thanks for coming on Talking Wolves. Where can where can people find you, should they wish? And if you want to give the podcast a plug, I know Jude will be happy if you do that. So, yeah, where can people find you, mate? And where can where can uh, people listen to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, so, no, cheers, mate. I mean, I could only return the favour. You've happily done the uh, fan verdicts for me over the years and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Joe Edwards underscore star on Twitter, um, Express and Star, you know, Wolf section, you know, that's, that's where my articles are. And then the, the ENS Wolf uh, podcast, um, 203 episodes now. I've, I've, I think more than us, mate. You dedicated you a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, well, we've been doing them every week. And I mean, especially in lockdown and, you know, it, it, we did it all the way through lockdown. I mean, I don't know what on earth we spoke about. I mean, I don't know what we, what on earth we speak about most of the time anyway. But um, yeah, so it, it's always good fun. And um, no, I really appreciate you having me on, mate. It's a, it's a pl- pleasure to come on because you've always been really helpful with us over the years and good lads. So um, yeah, no, pl- pleasure to be on, mate. Cheers, mate. Um, so, yeah, if, if you've enjoyed it, leave a like, a comment, and subscribe down below. Uh, before we go, a um, bit, of, bit of bad news today that we, we learned that Claude from AFTV and Claude and the Banster's a friend of Talking Wolves, sadly, passed away um, this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Obviously, horrible, horrible news, and we send our condolences to Claude's family. He'd be, he's gone, but never forgotten. Until next time, see you soon.